Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. And this week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation that I had recently with Laura Vanderkam. Laura's been on the show before, most recently just under a year ago, to talk about her new book at the time, Off the Clock which was a study of over 900 different time diaries. People all took one day, wrote down what they did, and figured it out, and and she took tons of data from it. Anyway, we talked about that in that conversation last time. She's back to talk about her new book, which is a spin-off from that book, and it's called Juliet's School of Possibilities, and it is a business fiction book. So it's walking through the same lessons from off the clock, but in a deeper way because it's fiction. And fiction, honestly, sometimes gets us there better, right? Those of us who are only reading nonfiction are missing out. I love my fiction. I just don't do it as often as I should. But anyway, so Laura's back to talk about her new book, Juliet's School of Possibilities. We'll dive deeper into a little bit of the plot without spoiling it and some of the lessons from the book as well. So enjoy this conversation with Laura Vanderkam. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show once again, Laura Vanderkam. Laura, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me again. <laughs> it's always you're always welcome. It's always you're always coming out with great stuff. Uh, you know, in fact, it was only that first time that I even had to ask. Past that point, your PR people and you know they they were like, "Hey, uh, another show to have Laura on." <laughs> and so, no, they do they do good work and they, they know, do they know the right places and and your listeners have been great. I've heard from a lot of them. Um, people like, "Hey." I heard you on on Eric's show. So, yeah. so last time you were here, uh, and this was less. This was just under a year ago now, which is great. Uh, Off the clock had just come out, and basically, for for people that don't know, that was a book where you did you went through more than nine hundred time diaries collected uh, on a single March day. And I still, that still kind of staggers my mind that, that you did that. And then you, you got some, some learning from that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were, there was information, fortunately, that came out of 900 time logs. Uh, so that's always good. It's, it's, it's on, it's a sad moment if you collect 900 time logs and there's nothing to be said. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if, and, it, and, you know, we don't need to retread that here. We've got a whole other chunk of things to talk about, but. It is related indirectly because this new book is actually a work of fiction. It's a, it's kind of a business fiction, if you will. Um, it's called Juliet's School of Possibilities and it's all about priorities. And I couldn't help but think as I was reading this about off the clock, which I think is probably your intention. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Well, I was writing them at similar times um, in that the books are, are out only about 10 months apart. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I mean, I've written a lot about time management over the years and about how with 
many things coming at us and many responsibilities, we can still carve out time for the things that are important to us and the things that advance us toward the, our long-term goals and, and how much richer a life we have if we focus on, on those long-term things that are meaningful and enjoyable for ourselves and the people we care about. And I certainly found that in the time logs I had people keep for off the clock, that the people who had really the best relationship with time um, just interacted with their time in different ways than the people who felt constantly behind and rushed and harried and, you know, leaping from one thing to the next. That said, you know, I know that people love stories. Uh, when I give speeches, nobody ever tells me about like, oh, that was a great statistic halfway through when you told <laughs> those. It's like, well, no, they, it's the, there was a story about this woman with a broken water here. Yeah. That, that's what people remember is stories. And so, I decided to make a book of stories of, of a story about somebody whose life is falling apart on various dimensions until she meets this mentor figure who teaches her how to spend time well. So hopefully readers will see some of their own lives reflected in this and hopefully get some tips that they can use to make good choices with their own time. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, sometimes fiction, I, I know there's a C.S. Lewis quote here that I did not think to look up until now. And maybe I'll add it later. I don't know. But uh, it, it talks about how basically fiction can take you places that nonfiction can't when it comes to those same lessons in life. And I could see easily that's what you were doing here, because I just I could relate. I could relate with, you know, the the personal and the professional uh, realm clashing and the, the, you know, the nonstop urgency, the the emails that keep racking up the, the you know, every time she keeps checking her emails, there's, you know, there's 500, there's 700, there's a thousand. I'm like, <laughs> the number the? rising like seconds on a stopwatch, right, <laughs> is the is the feeling that I think a lot of us seem to get. Yeah, so I, I could relate with that. Although I, I don't know that I've ever had a thousand emails. I'm I've always been much better at that than I think a lot of other people that I've seen their phones at least. <laughs> so I'm just like, what the heck? How do you have a how do you have a red bubble with white numbers inside it that are up in the hundreds and thousands? Because one, that notification would drive me nuts first off, and then two, <laughs> I just I would just archive it all if I wasn't going to do anything with it. But that's just me. So. The whole point here, though, I mean, this, this, I mean, the gist of it is, yeah, this, this, well, I forget her name. Why am I forgetting her name? Well, so the, the character whose life is falling apart is Riley. That's it. And then her mentor is Juliet. Juliet. Yeah. yeah I kept thinking Juliet's not the main character. She is the, she's the Obi-Wan in the story. She is the Obi-Wan. Yes. And when, and I think what's great is, is because of the fictional nature of the story that, that Juliet, the, again, the, hero or the the I I guess I should say guide let's go with that uh that she gets her own backstory illuminated so we see that it's not that she's just this uh you know enlightened person who knows all about time management and priorities and spending time on the right things and knowing she then has all this time in the world to spend on the right things it's she had to learn to get there too and this is you know her illuminating uh Riley's path down that same process. And, and I, just the experiencing of that story helped me kind of feel like, wait a second, where, where am I in my story with this? Well, it's a journey. I mean, that's the truth. I don't think any of us is ever 100% down the path. Um, but every day we get another chance to make different choices. And we are given a new 24 hours every day. 
Um, and I think over time, cumulative wise choices turn into something very profound. And, and hopefully that's the lesson that Riley has learned in her weekend at Juliet School of Possibilities. Yeah, I couldn't help but notice just that there was kind of a, I don't know, a, a convergence in a way of all of Riley's roles that she had. She's got, you know, she's got her day job. She's got this um, side project thing with, with a friend that she's feeling guilty about. She's got this personal life where she's got the boyfriend. Um, I feel like there's another one too, but I may be missing that. Oh, I know probably because she goes on the bike ride. I felt like when she went on the bike ride or when she took the personal time, that was also something that was kind of being neglected too. just my assumption. Um, and that all of those kind of, uh, I don't want to say synced up, but they all kind of had a move forward at the same time because of her revelation. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing. We often try to pit work and personal life against each other. Um, you know, writing about time management, these are sort of the questions people are always asking you under the assumption that any time you give to work is then taken away from your personal life. And if you have intense stuff going on in your personal life, work is just going to have to be on sort of the back burner and, and you can't advance. You can't, you know, put in the, get the great ideas or anything like that. And I just, I think that's a very limited way to view life. I mean, yes, there are only 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week, but there is space to devote plenty of time to both. And, and the honest truth is that when we are energized and one, we tend to do better in the other as well. Um, and it's that same mindset of always thinking about, you know, what matters to me and the people I'm with and, and what should we focus on to pursue our long-term goals and what doesn't matter. Um, and that same mindset can create better relationships, both professionally and personally, because people are people. The fact that you work with someone versus being a friend with someone, it doesn't actually really change that much about it. Um, so the same mindset of, of focusing on, you know, where you're going together is helpful in both realms. One of the things that I noticed uh, as I was reading was there was this theme of choice. There was this theme of of agency, having agency in your own life. And that rung true for me. Um for, for a lot of people, they feel like they don't have a choice or they don't have a choice as to what they can use their time for. So then they end up saying, I don't have enough time. Which I always say means it's not a priority. That I don't have time means it's not a priority. And that's language that Juliet winds up using in the book, too, probably because I sound like a broken record on it. So I had to get that in there somewhere. But, you know, and I'm not saying there aren't very constrained choices in life. And some people have much harsher choices that have to be made than than others in, in far more limited circumstances is. These, this is totally true. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be easy to take that poetry class if you are working two jobs and caring for three small children on your own. Like, so I, you know, yes, I understand that some lives are much harder than others. That said, I do believe we have agency over at least some of our time. And the truth is, if you can exercise that agency over even just a few hours a week, I mean, if you can get yourself to the point where you are feeling truly in control and doing great things that you want to do to your long-term goals, the equivalent of one hour a day, seven hours a week, I think that that will have a profound effect on the other 161 hours that are in a week. I think having just one hour a day can take you so far and make life feel so much different. Uh, so yeah, I think many of us get 
into this trap where we're constantly reacting to things, where uh, life is spent responding to messages. And am I going to do this or am I going to do that? But you know, we're making choices without looking at all the options. Well, you don't have to do any of it. Maybe there's something else that you'd like to think of to do, and you could make that happen on your own. You don't have to say yes to either of these things that's being asked for this time slot. Um, so Juliet has this saying which is that expectations are infinite. Time is finite. You are always choosing. Choose well. And what she's getting at here is that, you know, there, there are so many things you could be doing with your time or that other people want you to do with your time that in reality, every way you do spend time is a choice. Like we often think it isn't like, oh, I don't have any choice. I have to do this. But there's there's three things that you have to do. So in, in that sense, yes, everything is a choice. And so if we're always choosing, then we can put ourselves in the mindset of being the chooser, that we are the ones who determine how we spend our time. And we can nudge ourselves to always choose with the goal of making progress toward our long-term goals. So she has a bracelet that says, choose well. I ordered myself a bracelet that says, choose well. Uh, got it on Etsy. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, I've had people who read early copies of the book send me pictures of, they've written this phrase on a sticky note and like put it in a journal or put it in their calendar, or put it on their computer, choose well. It's just a good nudge to remind us that we are in fact choosing. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the point right there is people don't realize, uh, unless they've studied and, and, and or heard about this phrase, opportunity cost, <laughs> that, you know, you are already making choices every time that you decide, like right now, I have decided I'm talking to Laura. So what I'm not doing right now is talking to a bunch of other people. Well, that's a bad example because I am talking to a bunch of other people, aren't I? We're podcasting. You're talking to everyone who's that's listening to this. That's yeah. hilarious that I use that example. But, uh, that that example aside, uh, I'm not talking to somebody that's standing right here next to me. Like my, my kids are at school. They haven't snuck into the room and haven't also been trying to get my attention. So that the point is, is again, you say yes to the things that you want to say yes to and no to the things that you hopefully you know, have chosen to say no to, you know, this is the principle of spending more time on what matters and less on what doesn't. That's the the priorities there. But uh, yeah, the opportunity cost, again, what I was getting at was essentially we're already saying no to lots of things with every single choice by saying yes to the one thing we're doing in front of us. And hopefully by realizing that we are making choices already, we can start to decide to tilt the expectations in the favor of eventually what we want to be doing more of, like Juliet did. Like, in this story, she is basically I – mean, what's the phrase she keeps using? I have all the time in the world? All the time in the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's exactly the, the Einstein time thing if you've heard you've heard of that right the mm -hmm. um, the big leap by uh, I forget his name dang it we did an episode on it about a year ago anyway but that's the point is like you have all the time in the world when you're treating time the right way and you're treating it you know you're making the right choices with it yeah and that sense of time abundance actually puts you in such a better position for actually doing great things it's the same thing with Money. If you go into any negotiation, financial negotiation, no, you already have whatever you need. Like this is just all icing on the cake at this point. Like you're in such a better position. You're in a position of power. You can say no. You can walk away. You can ask for whatever you want. 
And it's the same thing with time. If you already feel in a position of abundance, like you have whatever you need, um, then, you know, you can go through this negotiate. Time is always a negotiation with the clock, with ourselves, with other people. Um, and so you go into that negotiation from a position of power. Yeah. And, and I think, again, that's the thing that really, for me, as I read this, my personal experience was uh, earlier when I said, you know, where am I at in my journey with this? What I really meant was, where am I at with being intentional and uh, conscious about being laser-like with my focus at the times that I can afford to, you know, I, I am, in other words, I am further along than I used to be in terms of being able to say I get to say what I do with my time. Uh, and I'm growing in that to be able to choose what I want more often than others' expectations of me. Yeah, it, it's always a process, and I'm I'm somewhere in the process myself. I'm right. not in any way say that I spend time perfectly. The, the good news is that I'm mostly aware of it. Um, that the the curse, perhaps, of <laughs> being aware of my time and being constantly aware of my time is that I know when I'm wasting it, and sometimes I decide that's just the way it is. Um, but other times I say, well, you know, I'll, I'll let myself get away with this for a while, but long term, I need to rethink how I'm spending this this chunk of my day chunk of my week still searching for a great candidate for your company don't search just match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch that busy work instead use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster i wish i had indeed when i was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be join more than 3 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? 
It's possible, because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I just kept thinking, you know, the, the phrase was being thrown around also is that like, we, we basically, we always, we always have time for what matters to us. And so how do we take stock of what matters to us? How do we decide what our priorities are? We already have them. We already act with priorities. It's just they may, they may not be what we consciously hold as priorities. There's, there's probably a disconnect between what we're treating our, you know, what we're, you know, in other words, with those time diaries, you know, people, <laughs> those 900 time diaries, some of the people were acting in accordance with intentional stated priorities. Others were also t- spending the time on their priorities, but they weren't intentional. They weren't stated. They weren't any type of goal whatsoever, but their time was still being st- spent on those priorities that were, you know, easy and low hanging fruit and maybe not necessarily what they wanted, but it was what they'd settled for. Yeah. And I I would say this is sort of what Riley was dealing with. I mean, I would say that her stated priority at work was to do great work for her clients, right? Like this is what she would have said, oh, it's my top priority to do great work for my clients. But in reality, what her priority was, was responding to everything instantly. Um, and, And in time, those two priorities are going to be at odds because the reason people are emailing you, calling you, wanting to meet with you is that they think you have great ideas. Now, if you're constantly in responsive mode, you don't have the space to come up with the great ideas. Um, Your teams are also too tired and too overworked and too burned out to help you come up with the great ideas. And and so those two priorities, the the stated one and the actual one, um, are at odds. Well, and even in her case, even in Riley's case, it wasn't necessarily that it had to be at odds. I think what was what was cool was it was that even in her weakness of moving from thing to thing to thing with uber urgency because she felt like she couldn't let anyone down and shouldn't um, is that she was still she was a workhorse like she could turn and really just get something done. The problem was she kept getting pulled in every single other direction than where she was. And so what was cool was to see that that kind of, you know, splatter or scatter focus, I should say, uh, when it once it kind of got honed in and focused on a singular idea, she was the one who could get the work done. Then in other words, she was still living in her strength and it was there all the time. It's just that the the effort wasn't being applied in the right place kind of like with light where you know light you can have you know a light bulb is is sending light all over the entire room and lighting it up and that's great but you get even more work done if it's a if it's light focused singularly like a laser and it cuts through things i agree and and once she learns this uh, you see that her inherent strengths um can do amazing things uh that you know it's not that there's something wrong with her it's that when our strengths are not applied well and are not focused, then we we can't reach our potential. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the possibilities here. That that there are endless possibilities. That uh, you know, kind of the process Riley goes through is this illumination. Again, I just talked about like she's got strengths and she's not really. F- I mean, she is. Bul- She's bringing all her effort to bear on the stuff that she's supposed to be doing. However, it's still kind of feel like she's she feels like she's treading water and more so she feels like she's sinking. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and and I wanted to create a character who 
you know, her life is falling apart in many reasons of things she has done that are not great, but you, you still are sort of cheering for her. I mean, she's working at this elite consulting firm where all her colleagues have, you know, multiple Ivy League degrees. And here she's this girl who went to Indiana University on a scholarship and, and she's gotten herself into this firm and has risen rapidly up the ranks because she is ambitious. She is incredibly hardworking. It's just once she's in management, you can't just do everything faster than everyone else. Like that serves you well up to a certain point, but eventually there are so many things you have to do and you can't do everyone else's jobs too. You have to think about what is the right thing to do and it can't be everything. And and so that was in particular a, a tough transition for her that sort of led to this crisis moment. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that, you know, if, if the book was a little longer, I could see her paring back on things in her life, like saying, okay, I'm going to decide not to do this thing. Um, I'm going to only do these certain things, but you know, she comes up with this great idea and of all things, it's, it's, um, it's, I won't reveal the, I'm trying to stay away from spoilers because it's, it's actually <laughs> fiction, alert, right? Yeah. It's like you, with a business book, like you don't have to worry about that. It's like, there's still tons of stuff. You know, every time I talk to somebody about a book, it's like, hey, here are the three main things I really love about this book, but there's so much more on the table with fiction. It's like, um, I don't want to spoil plot points here, but <laughs> you know, you can kind of assume it's a happy ending. Let's put it that way. It, and it, it would be a sad fable. If it wasn't <laughs> yes. Uh, how to manage your priorities, by the way, she fails. No, yeah, um, yeah. that, that as she's moving towards, you know, the resolution to her problems and she's getting her priorities straight and, and she's going through that process. Uh, one of the things I really loved was the fact that uh, it was, in a sense, it was solitude. It was stepping away. It was, um, uh, you know, assessing. It was pondering. It was. It was even physical activity. I mean, one of the things, the, the biggest point that I really love was she was she was riding a bike for the pure enjoyment. Well, at, not at first, but then eventually, yes, the pure enjoyment of riding the bike, and that that's when ideas started to come to her. And that that goes back to the thing you talk about with this this whole work life balance you know, problem if there even is one, which is like, hey, she had the idea on the bike. Shouldn't she have not been working at that time and being doing personal life? And I just thought that was great. Yeah, I, I really just don't think there's the conflict between those things that people um, necessarily think there are. I mean, often when we're seeing things at conflict, it's because we're looking at it from a limited vantage point. And, and if we sort of broaden our perspective, we can see that it's not. I mean, she saves her career because of being on that bike. And I, I, you know, yes, this is fiction where things are neatly tied up, but I can't tell you how many professional advances have occurred to me while I am out running around my neighborhood. Um, many of the major plot points of Juliet's School of Possibilities came to me while running around <laughs> my neighborhood. Like, I'm like, wait, I don't feel like there's enough tension here. And I'm like, okay, I'll just go for a run. I can't do this right now. I go for a run. It's like, immediate it comes to me like within the first mile <laughs> like good thing i have my phone with me i'm gonna send myself a note and then get back to my run um uh several years ago i, I wrote a series of of short ebooks it was called what the most successful people do and one was before breakfast on the weekend at work and the one that was at work was giving me fits like i could not organize it i could not make it work i had the experience of actually getting to my deadline and having nothing and this is this is not a situation I've been in very often in my life where I get to my deadline and I got nothing. Um, 
And I was just like, this is, this is horrible. This is horrible. So I, you know, I called a few more people, like people I thought were interesting, might have interesting stuff, stories to tell me. Cause sometimes it's like, you don't have enough raw material, in which case you need more stuff. Um, but you know, I reached out to a couple semi-famous people to do interviews and see what else I have. And then at that morning, I was just like, I, I don't know, I'm just going to go run. And it was like a nice day. And I, I go out and I run and I'm like, just going to keep running. And somewhere about half an hour in, it hits me. And I'm just like, stopping. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's how I organize it. I'm like sitting here jumping up and down on the street. <laughs> and it's just, I've, I've learned over the years that physical activity and fresh air and nothing else in my brain. I don't listen to music. I, I just run. It's going to give me something. It's, it's become my secret weapon. Like if I'm ever stuck, that's what I go do. I would say one of the things that we need to be doing that kind of, you know, it, it, it's an underlying theme. It's kind of hidden there uh, subliminally in a way is to do these, these, times of getting away to, to step away, uh, if possible, even if it's not, you know, again, even if it's for, just for go to the coffee shop for a half hour and with a pad and a pen and don't connect to technology and just sit there and drink the coffee and maybe, you know, do a brain dump and see what comes spilling out that you're not aware is even in there. That might be an idea that you can start to work on with that. Again, like you said, one hour a day over the course of, I mean, that, that, that's what, 365 hours if you do it once a day for a year. Which is a fair amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> you can do a lot yeah. in that. I mean, you can paint paint several masterpieces. Maybe you could write an opera. I don't know. There's a lot of things you could do in 365 hours. So Yeah. Uh, but the the unlocking of that that agency, that awareness of choice, the the possibilities that are there uh if you've um you know, got that perspective on time the right way. And I mean, I, that was the thing for me. It just, it kept hitting back home as I, I hear from people and I'm sure you do too, where they just say, I don't have time. I want to have priorities. Uh, in fact, you know, they do, I, like <laughs> they, they do, they just don't know they do. And they're just not choosing intentionally. They're saying yes to the wrong things. And I mean, if there was any kind of quick win lesson in that from this book uh, that you would give away, like how would you prescribe people just get started down this path? Well, one of the things I like to do is to plan my weeks on Friday afternoons. And I may have even talked about this in our past interviews, but just that um, it, it's such an easy thing to do and to get in the habit of doing. Cause you, you could take 20 minutes on a Friday afternoon, think about the upcoming week and think about, well, what are some things that I would really like to do? Not not necessarily if you have to do, but like the really important but not urgent things I'd like to do in both my professional life and my personal life. What are those things? Where can they go in the schedule in the next week? And we're not talking vast numbers of things. It might be like two to three things in, in each side, you know, two professional things, maybe two relationship things, two personal things. So six things, like the week is vast. It's, it's hard to believe there wouldn't be time for six things in the course of a week. Um, but you do this consistently and make sure that there is a time. And maybe if your schedule is such where emergencies happen a lot, there's a backup time. <laughs> like So choose a time and then a backup time for, for these various priorities. Check in at the next Friday. Have you done them? You know, if not, why didn't you like what happened and, and what can you address for that? Um, but if you did, great new set of priorities for the next week, do it again. Uh, and, and you just make progress. And even if everything else is going to hell, you still feel like 
I have made some time in my life for these things that I have actively chosen to do. And again, that sense of agency can, can give you an entirely different mindset for the rest of your life. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, it's just the possibilities. Like that's what I kept getting reminded. You know, I, I have to say thank you, like for that, for having a, a possibility check or a possibility reminder through the course of reading this book. And I think a lot of other people are going to get that uh, as well. So I- I'm really excited about this. Well, hopefully people will be. Yeah, the possibilities <laughs> are endless. There's so many possibilities in life. And and life is good when we think about possibilities and we think that there might be possibilities as opposed to just this sort of constant, busy, crazy, I have no time for anything. Yeah. So uh, the, the book is out now, the in in other words, this literally just dropped. The book is out. Uh, what's the best place that you would like to have people, uh, if they want to go check more about it, check out more about it because they've not uh, been sold completely yet, uh, but they are interested, or if they want to go pick it up, where should they head to? Well, you can always come visit my website, which is lauravandercam.com. That's just my name. Um, there are links there to all my books and to the various retailers where you can purchase it. You know, it'll be the standard places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, CEO read and IndieBound, anywhere that you buy your books, um, feel free to get it. If you go to my website and, um, click on books in the upper right hand corner, you'll see a, a drop down menu for Juliet school of possibilities on that page. I've got a trailer, uh, a book trailer. That's a, a cute little animated video I did about the, the book. So uh, maybe people enjoy watching that to get a little bit of flavor of, of the plot. Yeah, perfect. I will link to all of that in the show notes for this episode. And Laura, thanks so much for being here. Can't wait to have you back again. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I hope that you enjoyed listening in on this conversation that I had with Laura Vanderkam. Thanks again to Laura for stopping by and talking about her new business fiction book, Juliet's School of Possibilities. It's a little story about the power of priorities. And I hope that you understand what I was saying when I say that we all have our priorities. We all have them. We may not have been as intentional with them, but, you know, if my priority today is to play video games, then I'm going to do everything I can to do that. And that may not be the right priority, but it's still a priority. I hope that you take some time to figure out what your priorities are right now and then design true priorities and see where they match up and make changes accordingly. But not only that, that then from the lessons in the book that you decide to start spending time on those priorities, the ones that you really want, not just the ones you may have right now. Hopefully, again, there's not much difference between the two. If you enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you did, then I would love for you to hit the share button on the show notes by going over to beyondthetodolist.com slash 264 and sharing this episode. Or if you're in your podcast app, just hit the share button there. Most phones have that option now. And share this episode with somebody you know needs to grab Laura's book as well as hear this conversation. And with that, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next episode.